You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Gators Breakdown. The Gators Fan Podcast, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SCC. And for this episode, I am joined by co-host Will Miles. You can find him at readandreaction.com and on Twitter at WillMilesSCC. Will, we got some good news. Yeah, man, it's been a little while, so it's it's nice to uh, it's nice to finally have some good news coming in the in Gator Gatorland. But you know, I mean, obviously the recruiting class has been pretty good up until this point, and so been a little bit of a lull with the uh, with everybody at home too. I'm sure sort of accentuates that. So it's nice to have some good news and to have good news at a place of need, right? Because offensive line obviously is a place where Florida struggled last year, and so it's good to good to get some hope and good to get a player there who's going to make a difference. Absolutely. What we'll get into this episode. One of the biggest questions for this Florida Gator team in 2020 is the offensive line, of course. And Stuart Reese transfers in from Mississippi State. So we'll get into plenty of that right here on Gators Breakdown, uh, kind of the impromptu episode. <laughs> I text Will uh, saying, you know, I'm thinking about doing an episode about this uh, instead of just throwing it in. We, we, I'll still release the uh, part two version of the uh, opponent whip around coverage. So coming up in the next episode, Georgia, Vanderbilt, Missouri, FSU, uh, we'll get previewed uh, as if you listened last week in, in the whip around coverage from a uh, media person from that covers that team. So I thought it would, it would be a neat way to get previews from those other teams out there. But with the good news, and actually not just good news, Will, I mean, it is big news, like you said, important news for the Gators here uh, of Stuart Reese transferring in. But, uh, you know, a, a lot, uh, we're, we're still finding ways to uh, put out the, the good content for Gator Nation out there. Yeah, well, you should have known better when you started planning on stuff that was going to be, sure. you know, that wasn't time constrained, that immediately things would start happening. I mean, we had like two or three weeks where you were struggling trying to figure out what kind of content should you have. And, and the minute you had something that was able to, uh, a little bit more timeless, all of a sudden the news starts dropping. So it's the way it is. It's the way it is with college football. Certainly there's been some news with all the all the stuff going on in California and, and, and them canceling school in the fall and sort of what kind of repercussions that'll have too. So I'm sure it's not going to be a dull off season. We're going to have an opportunity to talk about a lot of different things but uh certainly this is this is a good one to talk about and ha- happy to be able to make time for a little bit of an impromptu episode to be able to do that absolutely absolutely there also before i get in and move on to the episode big shout out to uh shannon snell for the barbecue drive by last week dropping me off some sunny's barbecue will so uh, uh big big shout out to shannon i uh man i, w- I was full for a couple of days off that one well, did you get any of his advice on 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 how Reese would uh, would fit into the offensive line? Because I'm sure Shannon would have an ability to to speak to that a little bit. Actually, I should have because we kind of knew this was coming along. I'll get into that in just a second too. But uh, no, I should have. Uh, but that was what was it Thursday or whatever? Yeah. And then I posted a video on uh, YouTube. Uh, well, not YouTube. Um, on Twitter. Uh, and, you know, News for Jacks, the station I work for, you know, we're going to do the story on, on um, Shannon and the barbecue drive-by and what he's doing. And, you know, he 
pretty much like he said, he's changing lives one barbecue story at a time. And you know, for all the good uh, that's happening out there, this is another one that, that Shannon's doing, just dropping, dropping platters of barbecue off at, the, at people's front door. Yeah, well, everyone who's on quarantine was jealous as they were sitting there trying to figure out where they could get some of that. So um, plus, it's real Southern barbecue. There was something going on on Twitter, going around on Twitter today where a guy a guy had like a pickle and a couple of a couple of slices of brisket and was uh, and and advertising it as real barbecue. And uh, that ain't going to work for people in the South, man. Absolutely not. That is uh that's a kid's that's a kid's meal for a barbecue place. So, that <laughs> well, all right, before we get into the big news here with Stuart Reese transferring in, remember you can find Gators Breakdown on news4jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. You'll find all the Gators Breakdown episodes there as well as News 4 Jacks coverage of the Gators. Please share, rate, and review the show. Subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform and follow Gators Breakdown on social media, on Twitter and Facebook at Gators Breakdown. So if you've been following this storyline, it seems like it's been out there for forever. It seems like we've heard about Reese uh, transferring in since Mullen was hired. He was recruited and signed by Mullen at Mississippi State in 2016. Then Mullen gets hired at Florida and and recruits uh, Stewart's little brother, David Reese, to Florida. So around that time, it had been rumored that, that Stewart would transfer to Florida. Then it was rumored again last spring and nothing came of it. Uh, but now, you know, he's graduated from Mississippi State. Uh, there's another coaching change there in Starkville with Joe Moorhead out and Mike Leach is now in. So, you know, the rumors really ramped up the last couple of weeks. There was uh, a bit more substance to those rumors. And uh, look, Reese has been in team meetings uh, with Mississippi State all spring long, even up till last week. Uh, but decides to grad, grad transfer to Florida for his last season and play with his brother in, in his home state. His family will get the Check him, check him out more, uh, being in-state as well uh, now that he's in Gainesville. So, Will, man, this is instant impact type of player here for Dan Mullen and John Hevesy, offensive line coach there. Reese knows what to expect from his coaching staff, knows the offense. There will be no surprises for him or from the staff of what type of player and, and the player that they're getting. Yeah, I mean, you can't really get any further away at offense than Mike Leach and Dan Mullen, right? I mean, they're just very different philosophies, very different in terms of what they want to do. And so it's not a real big surprise that that Reese would take a look at that and say, okay, maybe this isn't what I signed up for. And, and you know, considering that that his brother's down in Gainesville and considering that, you know, he knows the coach down there and considering that he has the ability to transfer as a grad transfer, um, you know, it makes a lot of sense that he would make this move just because not only are you making the move to an offense that's better but you're, or better suited to your strengths, but you're making a transition to an offense that you know and a coach that you know and a staff that you know. So uh, it doesn't, it's not a real big surprise that he would make this move. I think the other thing that you look at is he's going to get a lot of – He's going to get a lot of love if he's able to turn Florida's offensive line into a strength next year, considering how big of a weakness they were in 2019. And, you know, he knows what he's getting into. So you sort of combine those two things. You figure he's going to get a lot more publicity, really an opportunity to get to the next level if he can really upgrade the offensive line at Florida. Whereas if he's sort of a a pass blocking guard in a Mike Leach offense, maybe he doesn't get the same kind of uh, the same kind of exposure. Absolutely there, Will. So you mentioned guard and look, tackle plays into this too. I mean, last season, uh, as a redshirt junior, his last season at Mississippi State, uh, switched to right guard uh, where he started 10 games and missed three due to injury. 
Look, six foot five, three hundred and forty pounds is what you get here for, from Reese. But he also saw time at right tackle last season um, before moving uh, you know, to offensive guard last year. He he played a lot uh, of right tackle. Started twenty six consecutive games for Mississippi State at right tackle in Mullins last season at Mississippi State in twenty seventeen, and then the next season twenty eighteen, Joe Moorhead, Moorhead's first season, Reese. 26 consecutive starts in 2017, 2018 at right tackle. Played more right guard last year. So also three-time member, SEC academic honor roll squad. And look, I mean, as a recruit, uh, he was the nation's number 19 offensive guard and the state's number 57 prospect in the 24-7 sports composite in the class of two, 2016. So we'll definitely, what far as getting here, look, back with Dan Mullen and John Hefesey were at Mississippi State. He was a right tackle. That's what they known him as. That's what they threw him in there as. Has since moved um, uh, to, to play some, some guard as well. So in the last couple of years, has been able to show some versatility uh, as well. And we'll get into the offensive line rotation coming up. But just based on Reese right now, I mean, he he, he is a he'll be an important piece to this offensive line and can help this offensive line in a multitude of ways. Yeah, I mean, I think if you look at Florida's offensive line last year, there was a lot to be desired at all the different positions, right? There, There isn't something where you say, oh, yeah, we're set at left tackle and it's the other four, or it's not something where you're like, oh, right guard, he's going to struggle because there's somebody in there that he's not going to be able to replace. The reality is there's five spots and they are probably all up for grabs when it comes to fall camp. And so where he fits is going to be based on his skills and abilities compared to the other guys who are in camp. And, you know, we saw... We saw Richard Garage and we saw Ethan White really take some steps forward last year, but that was in relation to to Chris Blythe. That was in relation to Gene Lance. And so, you know, it, those guys, the expectation is that those guys are all going to take a step forward here in, in in year two. But then, you know, how does Reese fit into that param fit into those parameters? I think the biggest thing is if you look at Florida's rushing offense last year, they ran behind the left tackle and the left guard about the same percentage of the time as they ran behind the right guard, the right tackle. But they averaged 5.5 yards per rush behind the left tackle and left guard, and they averaged 4.0 yards per rush behind the right guard and the right tackle. So irrespective of whether Reese is a guard or a tackle, he's going to make a difference. And he's going to make a difference because specifically his size, skills, and abilities fit the profile of someone who's a road grader, someone who's going to improve the rushing offense considerably. And, you know, we talked a lot about what Kyle Trask was able to do last year without much of a running game. And now if you bring in a guy who can all of a sudden allow them to run behind the right side with confidence, that, that could make a significant difference. Well, I mean, they are getting a guy here who's played a lot of football in the SEC. I mean, that, that, I don't think that part can be overstated. Uh, not only is he experienced with the staff, he is experienced in this league and the teams and, and a lot of the same style of teams Florida's going to go against uh, and, and, and uh, like like opponents there, uh, especially, you know, LSU every year. He, he's faced LSU every year of, uh, of his career uh, as well and would do so again. Uh, gets nasty uh, in the run game, has shown that at tackle and at guard. Uh, thought to be a better run blocker and, and maybe a better interior offensive line, even though he has more experience there at, at right tackle. So, look, I, you mentioned it earlier. I'm sure he wants to take the next step and go play in the NFL, and he'll get a chance to show that here at, at Florida. And his NFL career may be more suited for an inside type. And that may be why you know, we see him play uh, in that interior offensive line is to showcase his abilities, like you said, for the next level uh, there. So, and look, I mean, he'll get a chance to show it uh, and see how much he'll be able to help, as we all know in the struggles in the last game, uh, last season, uh, as you said. But no doubt in my mind, he's going to make this run game better. 
is still just a, a part of look he's only one piece uh, of a five uh, of a five man part here how much does this make the offensive line better is you know it still remains to be seen yeah, I mean, he's not going to be intimidated by Kentucky, right? <laughs> or South Carolina. Right. This isn't somebody transferring. You know, last year there were some questions about Jonathan Grenard because he was transferring in from Louisville. And, and I think those are legitimate questions. It's somebody who was injured, somebody who's a little bit undersized for the position he was going to be asked to play. And, you know, he's coming from the, you know, from the ACC. And so you say, okay, uh, is he really going to be that good? And it turns out Grenard was very, very good. I, I think when you look at Reese, there are less questions about that. I mean, I think obviously you mentioned that he was injured a little bit last year. There may be some durability questions, but beyond that, you know, he's not going to be intimidated by guys in the SEC. He's played against them. He's played against Alabama every year. He's played against LSU every year. And, and so there isn't going to be any sort of intimidation. I think the biggest thing is, is you've now got someone who has a reputation for really hitting the hole hard. And I think if if there was one criticism that I would have the offensive line last year, and there are a lot of things you could probably criticize the offensive line for last year, but if there's one specifically I'm going to criticize them for, it's that they weren't physical enough mm-hmm. at the point of attack. When the right guard pulled around the left-hand side, often he would get in the hole and he would just sort of tap the linebacker. You know, he would kind of get in his way, but he wouldn't just bowl him over. I, I don't think Reese is going to do that. I think Reese... By virtue of the physicality that he's going to play with, I do think that that probably starts to rub off on some of the other offensive linemen, that you're going to understand that that Reese is going to make some mistakes, right? He's going to do some things that um, you know, either physically he's not able to do because he's got some limitations or just, you know, whatever. It's a new offensive line, and sometimes, you know, building up the continuity takes some time. But one thing I don't think you're going to ever question is, is, is he going to be – physical when he hits the point of attack because I think he's proven that already in his three years at Mississippi State and so if that is the thing that he brings to the offensive line well now you know Gene DeLance can't get away with with not being physical at the point of attack Ethan White can't get away with that uh, because in practice Hevesy is going to say that's how you do it like that's how he wants you to do it and so I do think it's a it's a question of you know, based on everything that I've seen thus far just a little bit of looking at Reese on film I do think it's sort of his understanding of what Hevesy and Mullen want has the ability to maybe raise the play of the other offensive linemen, not just because he's competing with them, but because he can show them really what Hevesy has was trying to preach to them last year, but he couldn't necessarily point on film and say, this is how you want to do it. Um, ex- unless he was looking back at film from, from 2018 <laughs> with Juwan Taylor and Martez Ivy and those guys, um, you know, this year they're going to have somebody in practice who they're going to say that I want you to do that. And and if they don't, they'll get pulled off the field. And that's the other thing is, is they add depth. They add guys like Braun. They add guys like uh, some, you know, some of the other offensive linemen that they brought in over the last couple of years. Those guys coming into the fold as well. Um, that sort of depth is going to allow them to pull off an offensive lineman if he doesn't show that kind of physicality. And and so I think I think it's more than just one spot. I do think that the physicality, knowing Mullen's system, knowing what Hevesy wants, is going to be a bigger deal than just if they brought in a guy from, you know, say, they, if they brought in a guy from Louisville, right? If they brought in a guy from Louisville who was skilled and had started for three years, um, you'd say, hey, that's a great addition. I think the fact that he knows the system and the fact that he knows the SEC is is, is another feather in his cap that makes a big difference. So if it's a big, big difference, uh, or another big difference here is offensive line rotation. How does this work out with, with Reese? We've mentioned that he can play multiple spots. He can play tackle. He can play guard. I mean, you know, where, where would the staff value him more? Uh, there, there are so many options in bringing in a player like Reese that allows you know, the staff to put their best five on the line how they see fit. And I, I think he's going to play inside. So I'll start there. 
uh, with him playing inside. So that opens up Richard Garage getting into a tackle spot. And you know that seems to be the combination that offers the most upside here. I, I do think there is a question of, of keeping Stone Forsyth at, at left tackle due to no spring. I think you know there's probably a better chance that he stays there because of no spring. But you know, with with Reese playing right guard, you know Forsyth and Garage are are the tackles I think right now. So then Ethan White moves to left guard, Brett Heggie at center. So that five would be Forsyth and Garage at tackles, Reese and White at guards, and Heggie at center. So you know heading into if, if Florida was to play a game tomorrow, I, you know as the, the combo I'd like to see. You know this allows the five to play at their best positions. Gene Lance, Michael Tarquin would be back up to tackle. Uh, you mentioned some of the other guys, Will, Josh Braun, at either tackle or guard, wherever they see him fit right now, along with King, Kingsley Aguaken at, at center and, and players like Griffin McDowell, TJ Moore to offer up uh, you know, more depth and guard uh, and maybe some center as well. So if you look at it the other way, if they decide to put him outside, the depth pretty much stays the same, but you know what if they decide to to slide Reese at right at, at right tackle, and does that keep Forsyth at left tackle and Garage at guard? Uh, that's a big question uh, to me. Uh, along you know with, with Ethan White at the other guard spot and, and Heggie at center, uh, that's a, a question. Uh, I think if they decide to put him outside, you know what what happens to some of the other players, and you know that's the other starting five I can see with in the mold of Forsyth still at left tackle. Garage at left guard, Heggie at center, White at right guard, Reese at right tackle. That's the other combination. If you, you know, if you're including Reese into a starting lineup, so there are some combinations there. I still go back to the first one, looking the best. You know, months out from a, from a first game, but well, I think one of the bigger things is you know how much does does not having a spring practice factor into to all this. Reese wouldn't have been here anyway, but you would have gotten a better feel from moving Forsyth to maybe the right tackle spot and garage at left tackle, seeing how successful Heggie would be at center. Ethan White's growth, all the other freshmen, redshirt freshmen pushing and providing providing depth. So uh, I think I can see the staff playing cautious and, and keeping Forsyth at left tackle, tackle early on while garage there at, plays right tackle, but you could argue the other side of that and maybe make that move early in the year, you know, which one and, and see – which one of those guys go from there? Either way, the addition of Reese, it, it affords the staff to to try and, and put guys in their more natural and, and better spots. Well, not only that, but I think it affords the staff the ability to weather an injury. Because yes. if, you, if you had an injury to anybody at this point, I mean, basically you got five guys maybe who you trust. And I'm not even sure that you got five guys <laughs> if you're without, without Reese in the lineup, considering that, that Buchanan is no longer at center and you're going to have to find a replacement for him. So, you know, we knew that there were going to have to be one or two offensive linemen who really stepped up this year. And I think we started to see it towards the end of the year with Garage and with White. And that's one of the reasons why one of the reasons why Blake transferred out. Um, now that you've got Reese in there, if you pencil him in one spot and then you figure that White and Garage are going to take two other spots. Well, now, I mean, you can sort of move them around musical chairs however you want. But, you know, Heggie's got an awful lot of SEC starting experience and so does forces. So now you've got five guys that you can say, okay, these guys are going to be okay. And then the question is, do the guys that they brought in, you know, guys like Braun, guys like Herod, those sorts of guys, do they have more physical skill to the point where you can start to work them into the lineup? And I do think this is one place where Florida's schedule really is an advantage. Yeah. So not having to really even play, 
I mean, maybe you could say Kentucky early on or Tennessee early on is going to be a little bit of a challenge. But Kentucky you know, a bit because they have whipped Florida into trenches a good bit the last yeah. couple of years. But I mean, it, look, here's the deal. If you're losing to Kentucky or you're losing yeah. to Tennessee, you ain't winning the SEC. So, <laughs> so, so those have to be games that you use as sort of a little bit of tune-up to get ready for LSU and Georgia. If if you can't afford to do that in those games, then you got bigger problems than than Georgia and LSU coming. And who's going to be starting against those teams? So I do think that the early season, the soft schedule overall for the year, the fact that Florida State is having the transition under Norvell, obviously that's late in the year. But at the same time, late in the year you're kind of beaten up. And if you were playing a a you know top ten Florida State team, then all of a sudden that might make a difference in terms of your ability to make a playoff or not. If if they're able to get by Georgia and able to get by LSU. I, I think what you're going to see is probably a lot of what you saw last year where, you know, you had a starting lineup. It was the same starting lineup all year long, but three plays in oftentimes it was not the same as the starting lineup. Certainly in the second half, it was never the same as the starting lineup and garage and white earned more and more time as the year went on. And, and that's the other thing is I do think that they're, they're going to force Reese to earn the playing time away from the guys who've been there. And, and that's part of the, not having the spring practice and then you get into the fall. I mean, it's probably gonna be a little bit of an extended spring fall practice, I would imagine. And with that extended practice, he's going to get an opportunity to prove if he's better or not. And if he's better, he's going to play. And and I suspect he's going to be better and he's going to play quite a bit. So yeah, I mean, it makes a big difference to have a guy who, um, who knows the system and you can just pencil in and, and whether you make him a right guard or a right tackle, the fact that you can say one of those two spots is taken care of. Now we got to figure out which one fits our personnel better as opposed to saying, okay, he's a right guard. Now we have to figure out who's going to be our right tackle. I don't think they have to do that. I think they can basically say this guy's played both positions in the Mm -hmm. sec. Let's find, you know, if Ethan white is better at right guard. Okay. That's where we're going to put him. If Richard garage is better at right guard, that's where we're going to put him. If they're better at right tackle, then that's where we're going to put them. And so they have that flexibility because of what Reese is bringing to the table. Absolutely. And one thing we, I think we, uh, I kind of want to straighten out here. I don't want to necessarily speak for you uh, on this. And I've gotten, I've seen it, I put it out there a little bit and I've even been asked about it. Oh, uh, you know, Oh, this makes up for the loss of Isaiah Walker. <sighs> Not really to a point for one year. Yes. But here, I mean, you people, you know, they, kind of want to correlate the two you're losing a player you would have had three or four years to a player you're only going to have for one year for 2020 absolutely it makes a difference past that no i mean it's not a trade-off <laughs> that i would this if, if somebody was giving me the choice would i rather have isaiah walker three or four years or, or reese for one year i would have taken walker for the three or four years uh coming up there so you know especially the, the highly regarded recruit he was if he pan out to, to be that way um, but no, it, it doesn't necessarily make up for that. You know, everybody knows Isaiah Walker transferred out. He's now at Miami. As I said, for 2020, yes, it makes sense. It, it, if you want to put it that way, overall, it's, it, it's not making up uh, for, for that loss. So uh, it, I see where the thought comes from, and, and I've seen it out there a, a bit. I get it to a point, uh, but overall for the program, uh, look, if you go out there and win an SEC championship and a national championship, absolutely, you could say it was worth it. But you know, you're just kind of, you know, straw man, kind of picking your argument there just for just for one particular season. Uh, I'm not sure Reese is going to be that one player that made all the difference in the world of Florida going going on to win the SEC and national championship. Uh, if that was to happen in 2020, if if Florida was to do it, I'd say, well, you know what, they probably would have done it without him as well. So <laughs> I don't know how how it would have worked out, but. I, I don't necessarily think this makes up for the complete loss of Isaiah Walker. 
I mean, so two things can be true at the same time, yeah. right? Like it can be true that we're incredibly pleased that Stuart Reese is going to be in the offensive line. It can also be true that we would love to have Isaiah Walker in fall camp <laughs> to learn from Stuart Reese, right? Like right. The, the, those two things are not mutually exclusive. And and so, you know, the, the Walker departure isn't necessarily concerning because Walker left. The Walker departure is concerning because it's part of a larger trend where guys have left the program before they've even gotten to a fall camp. And some of that has been disciplinary. Some of that has been homesickness. Some of that has been whatever it was with Walker. But the reality is, is that your job as the, as the head man at Florida is to evaluate the guys and find guys who not only are the most talented, but find guys who want to stay on campus and want to stay within your program and who are going to pan out, right? Like that, that is your job. Now, not, you're not going to bat a hundred percent. And, you know, so just Walker specifically, I look at and say, okay, it didn't work out. Sometimes yeah. that happens. Problem is when you're saying that for four or five guys, every class, every year, then it starts to become a trend. And, and, you know, you and I are very, very big on process, right? That the process we want to see is a solid process to build. And when we talk about recruiting, we're not saying one recruit or another recruit. We're saying the overall process needs to be solid because that's typically the process people follow to become championship level teams. And, you know, one of the things with the transfer portal is, is that it has opened up a additional way of making your team better. Mullen has certainly used that to his advantage over those, his first two and a half years there in Gainesville. And it'll, it's still yet to be seen whether that's a wise way to do things. I tend to think, and I've written this, I tend to think that using the transfer portal is is kind of putting a band-aid on a bullet hole. That, you know, at some point that dam is going to break. And when it does, you're going to have a year that's that's not up to the standards that you want to have. But, you know, if that's what you need to do in order to get the team out there, like you said, if they if they win a championship, I mean flags fly forever. So, you know, no one's going to be complaining if Mullen pulls out an SEC with with guys who transferred to Florida. The question is, is that a good way to build the program long term from a sustainability standpoint? If he keeps hitting on 100 percent of them, it's going to be hard to argue against it. Um, you know, and, and obviously he knows Reese really, really well. And yeah. so that's the other thing here is that you, know, you could say, well, he didn't really know Trevon Grimes all that well. Okay, but he recruited Grimes, and you could, and same thing with Van Jefferson getting the guy, getting him from Ole Miss, right? Like he knew him, and he mm -hmm. knew what kind of player he was, and knew his abilities. And you can say the same thing about Stuart Reese. So it's not as if he's been going and getting guys from California to to transfer in. Um, and Jonathan, you know, Jonathan Grenard to that point too, with Todd Grantham's background. With him. And so, yeah. so they brought in guys that they have known. They brought in guys that they've had a line of sight to, and they've proven to be successful when they've done that. I don't, I don't think anybody questions Mullen's ability to develop and Mullen's ability to see talent. The problem is, and he said this in a in a press conference I was listening to the other day. It was from like a year ago. I was listening to it for a different reason, but he said in a press conference, you know, it's not hard. He, he was talking about recruiting services. He said, you know, it's not hard to tell that Percy Harvin's a five star guy. Mm -hmm. Like you walk out there, you watch him once, you go, that's a five-star guy. So, you know, the recruiting services rating those guys five stars isn't anything that's a surprise. The The issue is, is that you get those guys on campus and they make a difference in terms of whether you win or not. Um, but again, it, it, at the end of the day, you support the guys who are on campus. I think this is a very good addition. Um, I don't think those two things are mutually exclusive, but I think you can be happy that you're bringing in a guy like Reese because he's going to make a difference. And, and I don't think that the sky is falling because Isaiah Walker left. I think it's something you look at and go, hmm, that's a little bit. Be that's that's not exactly the process I'd like to see. 
I wonder what's causing that process to happen. I wonder if they're going to fix it. And I'm sure that they take a look at their program at the end of each recruiting cycle and take a look at their program sort of on a, you know, on a day-to-day basis and say, what can we do better? And that's all you can really ask, right? Is if they're going to do, if they're going to be stubborn on the things that they think are their core principles and then flexible on the things where they think they can be better and, and do, do a better job of competing. Well, you mentioned the transfer portal. We, we have to mention that before we get off the episode here. And, and, and Mullen's work there continues to hit there. We discussed it plenty here. Just discuss it a bit more. But, you know, look, we just saw it in the draft, the, this past NFL draft. Van Jefferson, Jonathan Grenard, both guys, Dan Mullen got in the transfer portal, both go in the top three rounds of the NFL draft. Mullen has had you know success, found impact guys there in the transfer portal. Now you bring in another who is expected to be an impact player for this 2020 season, but he's not the only one. Trevon Grimes, Brenton Cox, most expect Lorenzo Lingard to be eligible this season. All guys you expect impact from this season if they're on the field. Add Justin Shorter to that list, but doubtful he gets eligible for 2020 uh, as well. You know, all those guys would be expected to be leaders in the locker room and or statistically. Uh, so, and guys, that will make a difference here, mainly because they've produced elsewhere or were big time recruits. Uh, it's just, you know, the, the, the tra- a lot of the transfer portal guys that we are counting on are for those reasons. But, you know, also the, there's an expectation and, and track record for what Mullen has done so far in the portal. So, you know, those two things work together. Already mentioned Jefferson and Grenard, but also Adam Schuler was a key cog on that defensive front uh, as well. So now Mullen goes, gets a guy, and, and gets, you know, maybe the best fit of them all because he was a player they recruited. They developed to a point at Mississippi State, a player that has played for them, knows the offense, knows the expectations, knows the standard Mullen holds accountable for his players, and and a player that can – you mentioned this earlier, Will. I mean, it's a guy that can share his knowledge with young players uh, for this offensive line. So, you know, speaking of just the transfer portal, to me uh, already – I mean, he's going to bring so much just in the film room on the practice field that this is this this is a home run hit in the transfer portal again for Dan Mullen. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to call it a home run until the offensive line's playing better, <laughs> I suppose. But yeah, it's 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 a significant upgrade, and it's something that's obviously going to help the team in 2020. Uh, it, it's an interesting point you bring up about the transfer portal. I mean, you know, if, if you've been watching the Jordan documentary at all over the last month, with pretty much anybody who likes sports has been watching over the last <laughs> month. You know, one of the things I thought was really interesting was sort of the way that team had to build to be able to take on the Pistons and, mm-hmm. and sort of overcome the Pistons. And it feels like Florida kind of had that the last couple of years, where guys like Lamichael P. Ryan and all of the wide receivers were willing to to sacrifice because of what they went through in 2017 under Jim McElwain with the suspensions and the season and and sort of bike <laughs> to quote p ryan bipolar gator nation and 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 you know those sorts of things like that that sort of gave them the ability to not care what the fans are saying go out there do what they're supposed to do do their jobs execute and execute as a team and and have shared sacrifice as a team and you bring in guys through the transfer portal and yes absolutely you've upgraded your talent the thing i think you worry about is the chemistry component of it right that if you bring in guys as a class and those guys are recruited together. They get to know each other before they've ever even decided to commit. They commit in large part because they like each other and they like the other people in that class. And then they sort of, you know, if they redshirt and those guys sort of build through four years and, and all of a sudden you've got these friendships that are never going to, you know, they're going to be a big part of their lives for the rest of their lives because they've built that closeness. And you don't necessarily get that with the transfer portal. I don't think. Um, and, and, but again, 
we sort of saw that Florida, that Grenard really seemed to embrace that mm-hmm. last year. And you wonder whether Reese will do that as well. And, and if those are the types of guys that Mullen is targeting, obviously, I think Grimes feels that way, right? He stayed an extra year when he probably yeah. didn't have to. Van Jefferson probably could have left before last season, but decided to come back and, and play his senior season. So there and does seem well on that. And on that thing, you know, Reese, his brother's already on the team. So there's already a, maybe a familiarity just because of his brother. And, you know, maybe they're alike in some ways there, but I'm sure there's a, a bit of more connect, a bit more connection there because his brother's already on the team as well. Sure. Some, but that's what you worry about. There are two things I worry about with the transfer portal. The first is that, um, the, the first is that you're using up counters you can't use on recruits, right? So the fact mm-hmm. that they brought in Reese this year means that's one last guy they can sign when it comes to their their four-year recruiting cycles. And then the other thing that you worry about is continuity and and sort of the culture of the team and those sorts of things. And that's not to say that any of the guys they're bringing in as transfers are bad eggs or anything like that. It's just, you know, you bring in somebody new to take your job. <laughs> it, it impacts it impacts the way people look at things, right? And and the, the culture of a team is a very unique dynamic. So I do think that the fact that Reese knows Mullen, knows Hevesy, knows the expectations, and that he's going to be able to come in and know what he needs to put into the into the program in order to in order to win one of those positions is going to get him to a place where his teammates don't take it personally. If he wins the job, he wins the job and he'll win it because he's a better player. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Will, on, on this topic and in, in summary here, I, in summary, uh, the, you know, the Gators offensive line got better uh, with the addition of Reese plain and simple there. How much better still the real question out there. Um, you know, it's only one player along the offensive line that still has questions after last year's performance. Uh, look, Mullen still found a way to average 32 points per game on offense last season versus power five opponents with that offensive line. <laughs> so, you know, still found a way to, to put up some points there. So, you know, what's the next step uh, there? And that's getting this offensive line fixed. That's getting this run game fixed. You know, there's, you know, there's also questions in this offense, you know, how much will Kyle Trash progress and, and replacing all those wide receivers. So, you know, the hope here is with the addition, this addition, you know, the allows the offense to be a bit more balanced. You let the run game help the pass game and open up some some more chances for big plays. Maybe even help the pass game early on this season while Trask and, and these wide receivers work things out if need be. But you know, if you want to beat Georgia, if you want to beat LSU, if you want to go to Atlanta, the run game will need to improve. There's no question uh, about it. Starts up front, and the Gators got better there, and hopefully it's enough. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I've written about looking at Trask and looking at what he does well and doesn't do well. And what you saw is that he started getting squeezed against better teams. Against better teams, they just really, especially in the Georgia game, they're, they're, they were forcing him to throw outside because they weren't respecting Florida's run game. And if you start opening up those lanes a little bit more, then Trask is just going to get better because he does tend to throw the ball in the right spot. Um, the other thing is, is it's going to give Trask the ability to stay healthy. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. I think you and I have talked sort of at, at – you know, ad nauseum about the fact that that knee injury suffered against Auburn probably lingered throughout the season and limited what what the offense was able to do. But the big thing that I'll point to, and I I, I kind of cited this stat earlier, but they averaged 7.1 yards per rush when they went left outside the tackles, 5.5 behind the left tackle, left guard, 4.0 behind the right guard and right tackle, and 4.1 when they went outside the tackle on the right. 34 explosive plays to the left-hand side, 17 explosive plays mm. to the right-hand side. So here's the deal. If you're running, if you're running RPOs, you know, it's the quarterback makes a decision based on what the defense does. And so the defense last year didn't necessarily have to respect the the right side of the Gators line. They could play those things one-on-one and win those battles. And even if the read told Trask to go in that direction, 
does he really want to go in that direction? Because he doesn't think the play is going to be brought, blocked properly. And and you saw that towards the – really maybe coming out of the Kentucky game, um, you saw that Mullen just said to hell with it and stopped, throwing, and stopped running the ball. I mean, it, it was like a 60-40 mix from then on out, passing versus running. And in most cases, that wasn't necessarily because of what the defense was giving them. It was because of what they thought they could actually get on the offensive side of the ball. So I think – Anybody that they bring in on the right-hand side of that offensive line is going to have the potential to be an upgrade. Obviously, has to stay healthy, has to win the job. But just an increased level of competition there is going to allow Florida to have more options in their offense. And any more options that they have, like you said, they were a top 25 offense with trash chucking the ball all over the place and really no running game to speak of for the most part. And this year, if they can get a running game, um, watch out. They're going to be really, really good. Uh, well, before quickly before we go here, uh, virtual tours uh, here on the, or happening now uh, on you know Zoom, all that good stuff with with, with the staff here uh, in, in Gainesville. You know, having to get these virtual tours figured out. No guys are allowed on campus right now. So in the last week, some big names on the list for sure, uh, where these players get to talk to the staff and nutritionists, weight staff, uh, academic advisors as well. Early reviews are the prospects are enjoying them. And well, I mean, I mentioned last week on Twitter, you know, that I can see this becoming a staple uh, in the recruiting process now, uh, if nothing more than just breaking the ice uh, on recruits right now. I, I had a parent reply to that and said that they were more interested in a school now because of the virtual visit. So I, I think this may, for, for one effect of, of COVID and, and us and recruiting the way it is right now is I think virtual tours, virtual visits, all that good stuff can be a permanent cog in in the way recruiting is handled uh, right now. You know, just just an icebreaker. Uh, I think get get somebody interested in, in your program. So I don't think you'll do it as intense as as they are now, of course, because you'll be hosting in person visits uh, in, in the future. But you know, something like this, and you know, even you know, pre recorded video or or a tour, you know, that can help break the ice with some prospects out there. Yeah, I mean, I think we're seeing that in all walks of life, right? That everybody's yeah. sort of making decisions about what can be virtual and what can't be virtual. And let, let's be honest, if you can figure out how to get me on a podcast on a on a on a streaming <laughs> thing, then then you can figure out. And if I can figure out how to get my parents onto a Zoom meeting, then then the Florida staff should be able to figure out how to do that. And and yeah. I, Absolutely, it is imperative that that they be reaching out and communicating to these to all these prospects when they don't have the ability to actually see them face to face. In some capacity, it might be an advantage because you think about coaches who bump into recruits and then report the secondary violation. Well, that's done on purpose, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so that's been taken away in some respects. Obviously, phone records can be traced. So if anybody really goes too far outside of the bounds, then uh, then, then schools that aren't necessarily in the up and up are going to be uh, are going to be caught. And then the other thing is, is if you're thinking about taking official visits, you have to decide based on phone conversations. Oftentimes, you have to take unofficial visits, right? So you're paying to go take that unofficial visit to a school to decide whether you want to take an official visit there or not. And so to be able to take a virtual tour of a place, especially. You know, if you're a kid who lives in Washington, D.C., yeah. do I really want to come down to Gainesville? If you're somebody who lives out in California, do I really want to go all the way across the country for an official visit? You see the facilities, you meet the coaches. Um, you know, just seeing somebody's face makes a big difference. I mean, I've seen that at work recently where, you know, it, it makes a huge difference to not just hear someone's voice on a teleconference when you can actually see them, see their reaction, those sorts of things. It makes a difference. So, yeah, I think it's going to be I think it's here to stay. And, and the other thing is, is that it's not as though COVID's going away anytime soon. Yeah. So, you know, 
the hope is, is that we're going to have a football season. The hope is, is that, um, you know, everything's going to return to some form of normal, but at the same time, there are going to be things that change in our society. Just like anytime you have some sort of major disruption that people make behavior changes. And one of those changes is going to be likely that people are going to travel a little bit less. And so having these virtual, having the virtual ability to expose people to your school, to your brand, all those sorts of things, um, I think will be a, a, a big feather in people's cap. And then I think that you'll be able to get creative with it, right? We've seen that with all of the, um, all the edits that Florida, the Florida staff does, you know, on Twitter and those sorts of things where, you know, you make something looks really cool and you recruit repost it and, and all those sorts of things. And, you see Florida state make edits with Martin Luther King that you just cringe at and go, mm, I don't think so. <laughs> so, you know, different staffs are going to have different strengths. And one of the things that they're going to be able to do probably is use virtual tours, virtual connection, and just computers in general to emphasize their program in a way they haven't before. And hopefully this gives Florida specifically a, a, uh, a shot in the arm and, and an ability to exploit some of the things that they've already proven. They do pretty well when it comes to online relations. All right. Quick list of names before we go of the within the last week of, of who's been taking these virtual visits. Four-star offensive tackle Caleb Johnson. He ended up visiting. Um, he visited virtual visited Florida, but ended up committing to Auburn last week. Uh, anyway, well, he was his first offer uh, there, and uh, Auburn gets his services. But uh, keep on going. Four-star defensive end Kevin Gilliam. Three-star offensive lineman Diego Pounds. Four-star linebacker Xavier Sori. Four-star running back Travion Cooley. Four-star safety, Terry and Arnold. Four-star safety, Donovan McMillan. Four-star cornerback, Jason Marshall. Four-star safety, Corey Collier. Four-star athlete, Nathaniel Wiggins. Four-star offensive tackle, Yusef um, McGarble. Uh, Three-star defensive tackle, Christopher Thomas. And four-star athlete, Charles Montgomery. All taking their virtual visits within the last week. And speaking of uh, Charles Montgomery there, in next Sunday on the 24th is when he'll be making his commitment uh, between Florida and Maryland, everything seems to be only up and up uh, with Florida. There, we'll see what we know. Um, even though guys feel good at, at some points, we've seen how uh, how quickly that can change uh, recently in the recruiting world. So, one to look out for on Sunday, May twenty fourth. Charles Montgomery, athlete there between Florida and Maryland. So, Will, man, uh, anything else before we uh, go here on on this episode? No, nah, I just hope everybody stays safe. Obviously, Florida's opened up or has been opening up a little bit over the last couple yeah. of weeks and didn't really close down the same way Pennsylvania did. And our governor is uh, is exercising his authority right now to, to keep things close. So um, th things here are, are still in lockdown, but obviously you guys are opening up. So I hope everybody stays safe, stays responsible. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can get a football season going this year because everybody decided to um, to act responsibly to a point where the SEC feels comfortable opening things up. Absolutely, absolutely. So that's Will Miles. You can find him on Twitter at WillMilesSCC and his site readandreaction.com. I'm David Waters, host of Gators Breakdown. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.